Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Good morning, Abundant Life. Welcome back. Good to see you. And those of you that are here with us for the very first time, we're glad you're here. And those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you as well this morning. And so excited that, you know, we realize when we come together in this atmosphere that literally our praise and our worship can change the atmosphere we're in, isn't it? That, you know, you just kind of begin to worship the Lord and together we hear each other lift up the name of Jesus and it can change the things that we're going through, you know, that maybe there's been a spirit of heaviness that has been upon us and we begin to praise and worship the Lord. The Bible says those things have to lift off of us, amen? They have to. It's his word. And so believing that every time we come together and lift up the name of Jesus and uh, we're in our second week of our series, Take Back Your Life, Learning to Think Right so that you and I can live right. That's so important and true. I had the opportunity about five or six years ago to hear Leon Fontaine of Springs Church in Canada trained to be a javelin thrower in the Olympics. And you don't get to train at the Olympic level if you aren't a pretty good athlete to begin with. But Leon was already a good javelin thrower, but he needed to take his skills to the next level. And as he worked with his coaches, coaches and trainers day after day, he kept hearing what he was doing wrong. This put his focus on trying to correct himself, but the more he focused on what was wrong, the worse his performance became. Then one of his coaches gave him a, gave him a video of the world's best javelin thrower, and instead of focusing on his own shortcomings, flaws, Leon studied the champion's form and focused on the way he did things right. Over and over, he watched, he released the javelin, and Leon examined the best of the best and incorporated those techniques even into his own style. And instead of focusing on the negative, creating a don't do this mentality, he switched it up to do it like this mentality and mindset. Unsurprisingly, he changed his focus, and it improved his performance. On any given day, you and I, we, we possess good and bad in our lives, for sure. But let me tell you something, that we can change our thinking in our life, yes, through God's word and the work of his spirit, but focusing on doing the right thing and living in truth in our life. Your faith will grow when you focus on what's right and true and positive in your life. How many of you know that your thinking and what you're focusing on is affecting your life today? You realize that? It is. How many of you know the way that you thought up until now has affected and impacted who you are and where you are at in your life at this moment? That, you know, you didn't get to this place by fate today. You got here because of thinking that correct your actions that got you to the place where you are at in this season of your life. We said last week that the Bible talks about in Proverbs 23, 7, that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So when the Bible talks about heart inside of Scripture, it's talking about that inner man that, 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 that is what's happening and what's going on in the inside of you. You and I don't think with our physical heart. That's not what this is referencing to. It's talking about the internal person as you think, as you 
have ideas and you have concepts and your approach to life affects and it impacts who you are and where you are going to go in the future. Romans chapter 12 and verse two, it says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think, then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He says, listen, don't copy the customs of this world. Let God transform you. Don't copy what you're seeing out there in this world. Don't copy what you're hearing out there in this world, but let God do his transformational work inside of your mind. And the way that you think, if you do that, will change. And this is a big one, because it's a powerhouse scripture. It will help you know God's will for your life. Many people are wondering, what is God's will for my life? This is the process as you come through it, how you and I find the will of God for our life, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Listen, if you're a Christian and you're thinking like the world, then something's not right. Can I hear an amen? Don't fall in, he says, to the behavior and customs of the world without even thinking about it. Let God transform you. And the way God transforms you is he changes the way that you think. Then you will find the will of God. I wanna talk to you today about turning off the dark. Turning off the dark. This is in reference to mental Darkness, the kind of darkness that is in the world that sometimes gets into our, our minds and our hearts. It often comes on the heels of, it could be disappointment. For example, a setback. It could be a loss. It could be a financial loss. It doesn't have to be any of those things either. It can be dark just because you occupy space in the world that you live in. But when we talk about this turning off the dark, we're referring to the kind of thinking and the kind of thoughts that create darkness. And then it's coming to say, you know what? It's now getting a revelation of Jesus transforming us from the inside out. How many of you know that Jesus always transforms us from the inside first, then it makes its way to the outside? The world, if you're gonna conform to the world, well, the world is all about the outside. How do I look? Vanity, you know, am I impressing people? Am I making a big difference? You know, people see me for who I am. Rather than Jesus says, I've come and I wanna transform you the way that I do it is the best way to do it because when I transform you on the inside, people will see it on the outside and it'll change your behavior, right? So he says, don't conform to that, but do this, do this. When we talk about this, we're gonna get a revelation of Jesus and that's what we need to get. We all know what darkness is when we go through it. And we can feel, it's like the light inside of us maybe is going down and going out on the inside. Maybe it's through a troubling time. Maybe in sickness or, or death or, you know, we have a loved one that passes away. It could be a, a bad experience that we have had. We all know what it feels like to be invaded by darkness. We're talking about turn off the dark today. Turn off the dark. Tell your neighbor Turn off the dark. Come on. Tell the person on your right. Tell the person on your left. Turn off the dark. Come on. Speak it out. Turn off the dark. That's what we're going to talk about in these next few moments. Nothing reveals right and wrong thinking like a crisis in your life and mine. 
nothing. You can't compare it to anything else. You're going through a crisis, and it's in that wrong thinking or right thinking shows up when you're going through it. For example, when you go through hard times, it's really common for people to ask us, why does this have to happen to me? I've asked that. How about you? Why does this have to happen to me? Why can't it happen to them? Right? You ever said that? Right? It should happen to them, not me. I mean, God, come on. But why not you? Who would you suggest? Not you, then who? Who would it be? Because bad things happen to everybody. I'm talking about thinking right so that we can live right. Bad things happen to everybody. Life happens to everyone. Men and women, all ethnicities, trouble comes in everyone's world. In this world, remember that Jesus said, you will have what? Trouble, 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 trouble. I think Taylor Swift wrote something like that. Right, not the same trouble, but it's, you know, it's probably trouble with a guy she had or something. I don't know. Life is not fair, and it's not fair for anybody. And I want you to understand this because sometimes in our life, we think we do want life to be fair. All of us desire that. We want it to be fair, especially for me. I don't care about you, but for me, yes. But life should be fair. And what will happen with that mindset and that concept of thinking is that it will cause us to think wrong thoughts that are not even in God's word. It's hard to get up when life knocks you down. It's hard to absorb the injustice and the offenses of life. It's hard to keep going when people let you down. And, and you got to remember, it's not just you, it's everyone. And if you don't think about this, what happens is you'll always be self-absorbed and you will assume incorrectly, well, John doesn't have any trouble. Mary over there across the sanctuary, she doesn't have any problems. We think this sometimes, don't we? Well, they look like they're fine. Everything's going on with them. You know, they're smiling, so everything must be great in their world. And we can get these concepts and things in our mind many times that they, they may not be going through the same kind of trouble, but I can assure you everyone who is living and breathing faces difficulties and hardship in life. You know, 8 million more Americans than last year living in poverty. The issues people are facing today are more challenging, more complicated than ever before. I have never lived, and I'm 53 years of age, and some of you are older than me in this room, I've never seen the world just seem to be more complicated than it is right now. So many people are going through so many complications, perplexing, things like that. And we know there's a way out of it through Jesus because God breaks all the chaos and can bring order. We, we think some people get all the breaks. People buy into the idea and that thought process. You know, this is kind of crazy, but eight out of 10 millionaires have been bankrupt at some point in their life. We don't even know what they've been through. Some of you are like, I just want to make six figures. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Only about 20% of Americans inherit their riches. That means 80% are self-made first-generation millionaires. 70% lose their wealth by the second generation. Everyone who has had success has had their share of failures in their life as well. Everybody who's had a friend, you've been in a relationship, has been wronged by other people, you understand that. You're not the first person who has been cheated on, lied to, rejected, or taken advantage of. But sometimes we have this in our mind, and we have it in our heart, and that's how we operate on a daily basis. Here's what 
we're talking about in taking back your life. It's about reminding you that it's not what happens to you that has the greatest influence on your life, but it's how you think when the crisis comes. It's how you think on the heels of the loss and respond that has the greatest influence on your life today. Before the crisis even arrives, if you have right thinking through God's word in his help, you will be able to go through that crisis a little easier knowing God's word in your heart that is true. And so what I'm talking about today is you are able with God's help to take back your joy. A lot of people have lost their joy. To take back your strength in him, to take back your life. We need to turn off dark thinking that prevails so many times in our hearts and lives. Take back your courage from something that was stolen from you in your past. Jesus said the thief comes to do these things, to kill and steal and destroy the enemy is always bringing darkness into your life. I had a mentor tell me this years ago, that phenomenal man of God who spoke into my life. He says, John, at any point in your life, the enemy will send darkness into your world to distract you from the greater things that God has called you to do. You have to be careful. You have to be careful of the darkness that the enemy is trying to constantly send to you and turn it off. Jesus said, hey, I've come to do something that's in opposition to the enemy, and it's about rising up and taking back the light. And Jesus said, I, I have come that you might have life, and you might have it to the full. Taking back your life means getting rid of mental junk. You ever heard about space junk, right, in space? Spends, send the spaceships up. There, there's tens of thousands of pieces of space junk. Space junk is man-made objects that are flying around that have the ability to take out and cause major destruction to aircraft in space. There are things in our life that are man-made things that are in our world that are floating around all the time. And we have to know how to take those things out before they get planted in the soil of our hearts and reject them and break those strongholds in the name of Jesus. It's called take back in your mind. Like there's mental junk today. Who are you mad at in your life right now? What are you bitter about? What's the funk going on inside of you at this moment? Scripture says this in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I had a gentleman talk with me after the first service that's been through a lot of crazy things in his life, things that he been, he's been dealt with. And uh, he's a man of God. He loves his family. But he says, I, Pastor, it's so hard because these things keep coming up in my life on a daily basis. I'm processing all this pain and this anger and this hurt of, of, of growing up. And so he says, when I hear you speak about this and how do I, how can I overcome that? I said, listen, if you allow these things 
things to settle in your heart. They are literally a stronghold that, that has a force in your life that is not of God. And you need to know the power of God's word on a daily basis to come against it and, sm and, and smash and demolish every stronghold in the name of Jesus. You and I have the power to do that. Amen? But what happens, right, through God's word? What happens many times is we just let it fall into our mind, let it go to our spirit, and then we start believing it without taking it for what it is and say, no, that is not a thought of God. That is condemning in my life. I come against it and I stand against it with the word of God because you have authority in God's word. That's how you do it. You have to come against it. The apostle Paul is saying, you know what? You have to turn off the dark. You, you, you and I can't take back our life when we're holding other people hostage to mistakes and failures. We all sin, we all fail, we all live imperfect lives. We have to forgive trespasses and those who have trespassed against us. Listen, you're never gonna have peace trying to get even with people. But our mind says the opposite. If I can get even with the person that did me wrong and that did me in on whatever business deal or in my life, my relationship, our mind says that if I do it, I will feel better, doesn't it? But you and I both know after you try to go and you do those things, you really don't feel any better. You feel better for a moment and then you're right back in to the mental junk. You're right back at the place you once were. You can't take back your life dwelling on injustice. You have to get that junk out. You have to put it in the past and ask God to heal your emotions and, and all those things that go with it. Truly forgiving and releasing in Jesus' name. The you and I have to make up our mind to get rid of the mental junk. That in my life, when it comes to my mind, and I'm still learning this too, that, that I'm gonna say the opposite. When hate comes, I'm gonna say, I love you. I care. I have to come back. When fear comes, I will say, I will not be afraid, but I will be courageous and I will be bold. That you have to come right back at those thoughts. In Joshua chapter one and verse nine, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And Joshua and his armies knew that to go through and do what God has called them to do. He continues to tell them that inside of that chapter and throughout that book, be strong and courageous. You got to come right back at that thought. You have to come right back at it when it tries to plant itself in the soil of your heart. Who or what is living in your mind rent-free today? Who or what in your life is living in your mind rent-free at this moment. Somebody that's done you wrong, you've allowed them to continue to inhabit space in your mind and in your heart, and it causes you to feel all these terrible things all the time or a situation that took place at work or while you're at school and on your campus that you're like, man, I've just had that in there and it's just stayed in there. When, when that happens, all you do is keep reviewing it and rehashing it and living with it. Some people have anger and 
fear and discouragement living in their mind rent-free. And what it does is it consumes you and keeps you from God's best in your life. There's three things I want to talk about the rest of the time together. Three keys to taking back your life today and you turn off the, that, uh, the darkness is the first is to be hopeful. You've got to be hopeful. Now listen, hope and faith are not the same, right? Did you know that? But if you have hope, it will feed your faith. If you have hope in your life that things are going to get better, it's not always going to be like this, that that will feed your faith. Hope is like dry wood to the fire of your faith. It feeds it. Hope is where faith begins, that it's going to take place. The Apostle Paul tells us in Hebrews 6, 19, we have this anchor, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. The hope is an anchor. The reference for hope is an anchor was a reference to the hope of salvation as the ultimate victory in your life. It's knowing no matter what in your life as a believer in Jesus, we win. Can I hear an amen? In Christ, we win. That's a, that's a, that's a big incentive for the non-believer because let me tell you something. If you don't know Christ in the end, you don't win. But knowing Christ and following him at the end, we win. And I don't know about you, but that just really gives me a lot of peace and comfort for today and tomorrow. That yeah, no matter what we go through, the difficulties, the struggles, that God is going to see us through. He says he's an anchor. So he's an anchor so that you can live boldly and you can live confidently today in whatever God's called you to do. You can take some risk. That when you and I have the anchor of salvation, you know who you are, and you know whose you are, then you can walk with a daring confidence in the Lord. See, the anchor doesn't hold you back. The anchor keeps you grounded in the truth of Jesus as your salvation, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There are things that God has called you to in taking back your life that's gonna be so daunting and, and daring. You're, you're gonna have to have courage and you're gonna understand, you gotta understand, you're gonna have setbacks in it. There'll be times when you think it's, it's harder than you thought it was going to be, but God is with me and in the end, I win. You have to and I have to be hopeful. Second, we need to be hungry. Be hungry. Some of you are like, I'm hungry right now. I'm ready for brunch. I'm ready for lunch. That's another hunger. You can feed that in a moment. But be hopeful and be hungry that you want to turn off the dark by being hungry spiritually in your life. That you need to start nurturing hope and stop debating hope. Let me say that again. Start nurturing hope and stop debating whether hope is even going to happen for your life. Stop saying, well, I don't think this is going to even work out. I, I, I just I can't even see it. You have to move this um, hope to Honesty, like, hey, have I lost my hunger somewhere because I, I can't take back my life if I'm not motivated and hungry enough to go after those things that rightfully belong to me and Jesus? There are some that are satisfied with doing absolutely nothing and just occupying time and space, but not everybody feels that way in this room. I'm talking to people today that want to make their life count. You have an opportunity to do that, and you've got to be hungry to do it. Amen? Hungry means you're expecting something great to happen. 
expectations are the breeding ground for the miracles of God. Amen? What are you expecting today? Oh, I don't know. Well, you, that's all you're going to get. Yeah, I don't know. What are you expecting today to happen in your life, in your world, in your family, in, in your community, in your neighborhood, on your team, whatever's going on? Expectations are the breeding ground for miracles. Listen, I believe that we, as we are living in these days, we see the Bible, we see the biblical countdown. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be sober and needs to be vigilant in these days to understand where we are at in the end times because the prophecies of Jesus are coming. They're being taken care of moment by moment before he returns. But I'm a believer in this. I believe that there is a great spiritual awakening that is happening in our land and that God is showing up because there's expectation and there's miracles, there's healing, there's salvations, that God is doing something, that your expectations are the breeding ground for the miracles that God wants to accomplish in your heart today. Somebody in this room that has hope, can you say amen? You need to be hungry for it. You need to be hungry for it. Some people just aren't hungry enough to see God show up. Hungry enough to say, I'm going to adopt some new habits. I'm going to come into right thinking that are going to lead me to a better life. You have to attack despair and attack discouragement. Proverbs 16, 26 says, the appetite of the laborers work for them. Their hunger drives them on. The Bible does not support an apathetic lifestyle. You need to have an appetite for your own life. You need to have an appetite for your own life. And the enemy would love people to be reduced to allowing them to stop thinking that a better life is available in Christ than they're living right now. Matthew chapter five and verse six says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. There's a hunger, there's a spiritual hunger. You know, it's not a bad thing to hunger and thirst. It's a bad thing to say, you know, I don't like where I'm going, but you know what? I'm just not going to think about it anymore. I'm just going to be apathetic. But Jesus says, listen, if you're hungry and you're thirsty for righteousness, you will be filled. You will be taken care of. If you flip that verse, what if you don't hunger? You're not going to be filled. You're not going to get what God wants you to get. I love taking scripture and flipping it in my own life. And asking the opposite, what if I do not hunger in my life for the Lord? Because hunger is a motivator. And people that are hungry, they go the extra mile. Stay hungry to see the will of God and the plan of God for your life, the fullness of God, everything he has for you. If, it, if it's, it's not in your life today, you can begin and ask God to give you a new taste for his righteousness. If you don't have hunger, you're not going to take back your life. You'll keep thinking like someone who is a victim or somebody who can't do anything to change it. This mentality is so pervasive, not in it, only in the world, but it's pervasive in the church of Jesus Christ. There are so many people living with a victim mentality. You can't take back your life if you live with a victim mentality. Church, are you with me? I do not know what happened to you. I do not know the pain. I do not know the discouragement. I do not know the disappointment. But listen, if you choose to live there with a victim mentality that you're owed something, you cannot have the life that God has called you to live. Amen? Can't do it. 
you can stir up the hunger that God has for you today. There's a story in the Bible before David was king of Israel. He and his men were patrolling the borders of the nation. They lived there along with their families at an outpost called Ziglag. They were protecting the people who were keeping the bad people out. And while they were on patrol one day, the enemy attacked and the outpost, they took all of their goods as well as their children and wives, burned down Ziglag. And when David and the men returned, they were so devastated and broken that the Bible says that David sat down and he wept. Think about that for your own life. You were away doing the Lord's work. You came back. Your city's burned down. Your wives and children are gone. They've taken and stolen from you. And David, he sits down and he wept. What happens next is what had the greatest impact upon their future. Those warriors that were with David who were feeling the pain as well, those warriors refused to sit there in their sorrow and in the pain and in their loss. And I feel like that's where maybe some of you are at right now, that this message is timely for you because you have not wanted to accept the life that you are living. You know God doesn't want you to stay in that place any longer. And you and I have the ability with God's help today to go after and take back the life he wants for you. That God will bless your hunger. God will restore you. God is here to heal you and make you new again. So you gotta be hopeful. You gotta be hungry. And then lastly, number three, you gotta be humble. You gotta be humble. Being humble means we're able to be teachable and coachable. To listen when experienced people talk. To receive a rebuke or a correction in your life from people who are over you. I've had this happen in my own life. You know, men of God that have been over me, that has spoken into my life. And, and as hard as it is, it was what was needed in my life. To receive a rebuke in love. To receive Loving correction, right? There's a way to do it, right? Lovingly. Restore those gently, Galatians says. That I realize that through it, I'm gonna use this as a growing moment in my life. See, a lot of people, they don't want to live in this posture of humility because correction's hard. A rebuke is not easy to take sometimes. But for you and I to keep on the path that God has for us, we have to have an open heart for that. We have to be open to correction. We need to be humble. And let me tell you something. you got to understand this. Being humble also means being a contributor. Ask the question, what can I do? Get in there and contribute. See, I... Muhammad Ali, the famous boxer, he used to say all these great things. I mean, he, he, he believed he was the greatest. Muhammad Ali never lacked confidence. He had some of the greatest one-liners out there. Never. Always. But he never won a championship without Angelo Dundee, his trainer, his coach. Without somebody speaking into his life with uh, more wisdom and no, more understanding than what Muhammad Ali had, 
he turned into one of the greatest boxers ever. Angelo Dundee, he was a trainer for George Foreman, Sugar Ray Leonard. It takes somebody coming alongside of you, coming alongside of me and helping us to get in there. And, and uh, Michael Jordan's the same way. He never won a championship without Phil Jackson. You and I have to be humble enough to be coachable, being humble enough to contribute. What, God, what can, what, what can I do? Get in there, contribute, be a hard worker. Don't leave it to others. Make sure you realize that pride will complicate your life and being humble will simplify your life. Wow. I'm a true statement of that in my own life. Every time I've been cocky, God's had to bring me down. Right? That's not easy. But it comes when you're going about your day and maybe something's not going right or you haven't done something right and you realize and the Holy Spirit gives you something, gives you a word. There's a scripture verse in there that brings correction and mm, yeah, it hurts a little bit, doesn't it? I didn't act the right way. I... I, I didn't talk the right, I didn't think the right thought in that situation and, uh, you know, whatever it may be, but then you're open to the correction. You're open to what he wants to say to you. And, and that is so important to realize that God has a better life for you than where you're at. That we realize pride will cause you to overthink and underact. But being humble will... will communicate to God the willingness, the heart to say... God, I want everything that you have for me. Being humble means treating others like you want to be treated. I'm not demanding respect. I want to earn your respect. Being humble means knowing you need God's help to turn off the darkness in your life because we can't turn off the darkness by ourselves. You can't, and I can't. Talking about thinking right so that you can live right. Thinking right so you can live right. 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. A humble mind. Proverbs 22.4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Wow, they come. That that's the type of posture that you and I are called to have in the world that we live in. Jesus was the greatest servant ever. He took on the posture of humility. He just didn't talk about it. He did it. He understood the greatness that was on his life. You ever stumbled around in a dark room trying to find something at night in your house? And you tell yourself, I don't need the light. I'm going to be fine. I'm fine. Until you run into a table, your bed, your pinky toe connects with the corner of the door. And in that moment, the whole house is sleeping. So it's not like you can just ah, let it out, right? Maybe you do. You let the whole house know you're in pain. But it hurts so bad. And, and, and what happens is human pride in our life oftentimes hinders us from acknowledging what we need and being humble enough to say, no, I can't do it without your help, Lord. So today to turn off the dark 
God sent Jesus and the Holy Spirit and gave us a book with his thoughts and his ways to bring light, to bring wisdom, to bring guidance, and to bring direction into our lives. This is what I encouraged this gentleman that came up to me after the first service and talked to him about all of these things. And I said, listen, let me just share something with you. I don't know your life and I don't know how you go about it. But listen, if you will just open up God's word on a daily basis, then you're going to get the light in. Your word is a light. Your word is a light on my pathway and to my feet. Your word is a light. When I open it up, the truth of God's word, when I open it up, it will help you go through your day. It will make it a little easier even when the chaos comes and the challenges come. But you gotta open up the word of the Lord and get light into your life on a daily basis. Amen? Get it in there. Direction. So oftentimes the human, our human response is, I don't need it, I've got it, and I am fine. I'm good. The world that we live in is filled with spiritual darkness, and that darkness blinds the mind of people, just like you and me. We're not exempt from it. It causes people to live in pride, confusion, frustration, and not even having clear direction for your life. But, but I, I wanna let you know something. Today, Jesus has come to be the light, the light of the world, and not just then in the Bible, but today in your life, in mine. The default is, I'm fine, I'm good. And inside, the house is in chaos. The way that we come against that is, we come against that through Jesus, we come against it through the light. We open it up and we let his light shine into every dark place in us. I want us to do that today before we bring this to conclusion. Maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit has said to you while we have, I've spoke today. Maybe it's through the worship time, the words. Somebody said something to you today, and, and you just want that light to shine in. And would you just allow God's light to shine in on every area of your heart at this moment? Let's just do that. Jesus, we thank you that you're the light. And in you, there is no darkness at all. So Lord, I pray that as we open our hearts today, right now to you, that the light of your word, the light of the truth of who you are would shine into every area, Lord, that we would not hold back an area of our heart and in our mind today, but we would allow you to shine in and allow your love and allow your truth to bring correction, to bring a rebuke, whatever it is, God, that you would shine in on us. Because God, your word says that you discipline those you love. You discipline those you love. So if we're being disciplined, we know that your love is there. I pray that we would come and combat every lie of the enemy, anger, Bitterness, rage, malice, the sin of our hearts. We would combat it right now with the truth of who you are in every one of those circumstances and situations. That God, we can live hopeful. 
that we would be hungry and that we would be humble. I pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.